Let's go. You're listening to Making Data Simple, where we make the world of data effortless, relevant, and yes, even fun. Podcast listeners, Al Martin here on Making Data Simple. Thank you, as always, for, for tuning in. I'm going to jump right in. It's very hot outside. Weather's hot. COVID is still here, but I think we're, I don't know, are we progressing, guys? I don't know if we're progressing. Right? It seems like it's coming back. But anyway, I have two distinguished guests, Trent Gray-Donald, who's a distinguished engineer with IBM Data and AI, and we're going to talk about platforms, Cloud Pack for Data, Data Fabric, we'll hit it all. And then I got Dakshi Agrawal, who is an IBM fellow and CTO for IBM AI. We'll talk some Watson. Uh, as well as you know how this all fits in around artificial intelligence or, or machine learning, whatever we want to talk about. That, that's what we do here. Uh, I have to tell you guys, before I get started, the reason you're here, well, I'm a fan. Trent, you were on my team previously. Uh, I think very highly of you, and great to finally be face-to-face, or at least on the podcast. We're face-to-face, but nobody will be able to see <laughs> them. You also have another fan, guys. So. Somebody reached out to me and said, you've got to get Trent Gray Donald and you've got to get Dakshmi on. Here's what they say. I think this is the best introduction I can give you, but I'll turn it over to you guys in a second. They said, uh, hey, you got to get Trent Gray Donald on after a cloud pack for data ships. This guy is a brilliant guy in the middle of everything important in data and AI. Super strategic. Some things not announced. Some things announced. Yeah, it's going to be IBM focused today, listeners, but this should be good. And then for you, Dakshmi, just got promoted to CTO of AI for IBM. Brilliant. Apparently, your fan loves to use brilliant. Both of you guys are brilliant. Full of amazing stories, both client stories as well as innovation stories. And I'm supposed to ask you, Dakshmi, at some point, what he was doing with Wi-Fi 25 years ago. We'll get to that. But today, I'm going to do this in like two parts. We're going to do our usual style of tech and leadership. We're going to start with tech, and we'll probably do a two-parter. But again, the technology discussion around hybrid cloud data fabric, IBM Watson, and then we'll go into leadership. Anyway, welcome, guys. How are you guys doing? Very good. Thank you. Very uh, humbled to uh, get that kind of praise. but uh... (laughs) That's what precedes you. Thank you guys for being here. So I'm going to start with you, Trent. First of all, you're the man with three names. We've worked together in the past. I never asked you about your three names. You got to tell me about your three names. <laughs> uh, I, it's not my parents. It's actually my paternal grandfather decided that uh, he was going to fuse the names together. And then it just sort of stuck from there. If you go back many generations, there's a Gray side and a Donald side, and they became the Gray Donalds. That's well before my time. So is this like great? grandpa stuff or great, great, great? How far does it go back? Uh, great. Singly great. Singly great. Does it come with like some kind of uh, move over the pond? I mean, from like the UK or from England or, or no? Originally was British Isles. A lot of the family has been in Canada for many generations. I can't remember exactly where people were when it happened. Fair enough. You're in Ottawa now, though, right? I am physically in my basement in Ottawa, yes. <laughs> well, we're all, I'm in my basement, too. That's why you have to look. We're still in COVID land. But, hey, tell us a little bit about your experience, what brings you here, and then I'll cover Doxme in just a minute. My history is actually uh, slightly different in that I actually spent the first 16 years of my career working on uh, 
managed language runtimes, so Java virtual machines, Smalltalk virtual machines, and then I, I switched over into the the data and AI universe, and have been working on uh, Cloud Pack for Data and its predecessors for the last many years. Keep my hand uh, busy in with all the different aspects of what it takes to build a comprehensive data platform. Nice, It'll put you right in there. Sounds good. All right, Dakshi. You're the newly promoted CTO of AI. So what'd you do deserve that? Then you must have done extremely well. Tell us about that. Well, uh, you know, it just all happens. You know, uh, I joined IBM right out of my PhD. I joined in IBM research and uh, there I got opportunity to work on a number of uh, innovative things, uh, bring those innovations into products, uh, work with various universities and so forth. Then I moved into software development. Uh, I worked in software development, but also along the way worked uh, very deeply in some services engagements, then moved over, uh, dabbled some in sales. And uh, here I am for last five, six years, I've been working in AI and here I am. All right, well, welcome. it's a pleasure to have both of you. I don't always have three people, we, we've done it before. so. We'll try not to step on one another as, as we go. Well, let's dive into the tech first. Dakshi, I'll start with you on the IBM Watson side. So what are you doing today? Why is it important? How is it influencing the market? What should folks be privy to? Oh, well, let me stop there. Just give us an intro on, on IBM Watson. Yeah, sure. Watson is basically AI for enterprises. If you look at any AI stack, what you would find is that more than 80% of it is based on uh, open source. So what really distinguishes one AI stack from another AI stack is where you put your focus in hardening, making open source production ready, packaging it, what sort of use cases you tailor it to tackle. So towards that, uh, we focus in Watson in several areas, I will talk about four of them. One key principle here is uh, AI Anywhere. So what that means is that uh, we enable our customers to build AI where their data is and deploy AI where it needs to be deployed. Our ability to this build and deploy AI Anywhere is enabled through Red Hat OpenShift that gives a true hybrid management of full AI lifecycle. Why this is important? Because this allows our customers to respect regulatory issues, uh, data sovereignty requirements, business needs, data privacy, data gravity, and so on and so forth. Uh, and Trent will talk about some of the underlying layers that support uh, AI anywhere. Uh, we deliver these capabilities through a number of offerings, Watson Studio, Watson Assistant, Watson Discovery, and many other offerings that have uh, Watson inside. So that's on AI Anywhere. Uh, second differentiator is our focus on understanding language of business. So let me just go a little bit into what I mean by that. If you look at enterprises today, most of the unstructured data, it's in natural language and it's logged into likes of PDF documents, uh, scanned or programmatic. Uh, it's logged into customer feedbacks that someone leaves you on the web. It's, uh, it's in your calls that are coming in your call center. 
So that's where we focus on understanding language of business. And it goes all the way from understanding complex structures that might be in a PDF document, uh, all the way to uh, extracting uh, insights from uh, individual or a collection of documents, answering, uh, taking care of customer care and so forth. Third that I want to talk about is uh, automation. So the goal of automation here is to increase uh, efficiency, give valuable time back to workers. And I think customer care that I earlier mentioned is a great example where take, for example, uh, CVS uh, in its recent uh, vaccine rollout, used it to uh, answer questions that uh, folks had about uh, COVID test, vaccination, scheduling, and so on and so forth. So automation shows in many dimensions, in, in many areas in business, that's one of the focus for Watson. And finally, underlying all of these, AI Anywhere, it's used in understanding language of business and automation is uh, trustworthy AI. When we do surveys, it's one thing to have a data science team, do a POC, do some experiment, show some great result. Now, what prevents these great results from delivering value to customers is uh, a lack of trust, a lack of guarantees, if you will, that the AI that you built, whether it will satisfy regulatory or other compliance requirements, will it deliver on the quality and so forth. So this is where uh, Watson provides all the way from uh, data collection and organization trust in data collection and organization all the way to model building, model lifecycle and deployment. All the tools that an enterprise need to create uh, trustworthy AI. So I'll stop there, Alan. I feel that makes sense. So here's what I heard you say. As you define AI for enterprises, it's about AI anywhere which leverages Red Hat OpenShift, or microservices architecture. It's a superpower, so to speak. Secondly, understanding the language of business. Third, automating uh, business processes, you know, through customer care was your example. Then lastly, it's trustworthy AI. Uh, nobody does anything unless they can trust the data that's behind it. So pause that for a second. Let's switch over to Trent. Speaking of OpenShift or Red Hat as our superpower, we have Cloud Pack for Data built on top of OpenShift. I'd like you to talk about that, but even more importantly, now we're talking about quote unquote data fabric. How does that fit in? Is it different? Is it the same? Is it a concept? Is it a methodology or is it a use case? First on Cloud Pack for Data, Cloud Pack for Data complements uh, OpenShift very nicely because what we did historically was every different product, every different uh, enterprise scale solution ended up building its own cluster manager and its own way to scale and manage things. And by instead delegating to a single strong platform like Kubernetes and the industrial strength version of it above that called uh, OpenShift, we get a lot of the consistency and a lot of the scalability uh, in a very predictable way across the products. So Cloud Pack for Data uh, addresses a whole bunch of different use cases, right? From deep in the uh, data stores through data management, data orchestration, uh, data movement, data science, and then all, all the way up through the things that Dakshi described. It gives each team the ability to be flexible in the ways they want to be. That's great. And it allows us to deliver them in a consistent manner. 
so let's talk a little bit about data fabrics now. And let's set the context around pain points. What customers are finding difficult today is what I'm going to put into two broad categories. The first painful area is that it's difficult to find the data you need to find, right? Enterprises will come back and say, hey, Trent, we've done an inventory and we found over 2,000 enterprise databases and we don't know which one's the right one, where it all is, how do we put it all together? So there's, there's a traditional data organization problem there, but doing it at that scale is very, very difficult. So how do we make that easier? That's the first point. The second is once I've found the data, how do I know that I'm getting access to it? And going through the traditional way of going and giving every person direct rights on every data store simply doesn't scale. So the question is, how do you move more towards policy-based access and those access policies being driven by both legislation and internal rules? So for instance, we could set up a rule saying, uh, by default, no employee can see personally identifiable in information. And so then any data identified as PII in the platform, immediately no employee can see without special rules to override that. Or say, you're allowed to access certain data, but you're only allowed to see it in a fully masked fashion. And they're, they're very different kinds of masking. So what it does, it really allows people to get to the data they want. So first, it's finding the data they need is a key part about the fabric. The second is, uh, how do I access the data in a safe way? So that's the second part. Uh, and then the third part, which most end users really, frankly, don't care about, but the, the, the compliance folks and the security folks in their universe do, is am I accessing the data safely? Are we tracking who's accessing what and where that data is going? And is it being done in a secure manner? So there's this whole security, compliance, governance aspect that needs to happen and should happen but is difficult to do with traditional tools. So put those two things together, the I want to access the data easily and quickly, and then all the compliance aspects and say, they're at odds with each other, but it turns out the data fabric is that place in the middle that intermediates and makes both of them possible. That's the big thing that we're driving towards. So is data fabric a subset of the overall cloud pack for data offering a microservices offering that, or is it a use case methodology? How would you describe it? Just to take it. Yeah, I would say it is a series of capabilities put together that are span across the platform that different services leverage. So it's uh, governance services working closely with lineage services, working closely with data masking services all put together in a consistent way. So platform, it's hard to separate a data fabric from the idea of Cloud Pack for Data, uh, but obviously not all of Cloud Pack for Data is a fabric. It's sort of, it's the enabling layer that sits below a lot of it. Let me ask you this, I'm taking this a bit further. How would you describe the customer journey around data fabric? Because on one hand, what I, I think the listeners will hear is you're saying, hey, leave data where it is. You leave the data where it is. We can have access to that data. We can provide you security. 
don't worry, no harm, no foul. On the other hand, there's competitors in there that are saying, hey, move your data. You got to move your data. So what are we saying? What is that customer journey? What is right? What is wrong? How do we differ from the competition? The correct answer is that there is no dogmatic single answer. There is both a strong argument at times to virtualize, which is basically run a data virtualization story over your existing data stores. And that that makes sense in a lot of cases. There is also in other use cases, a strong argument for basically making copies or uh, uh, materializing the actual data again. And it really depends on the use case and a a good data platform will allow you to do both and perhaps even recommend when you should be, hey, you're accessing all this data a lot of times. It's expensive the way you're doing it now. You should consider putting this in uh, a better format, closer, that's cheaper, uh, is one example. And then taking care of recording the lineage, making sure it stays up to date, and all those aspects. Uh, So the, the, the right answer is it depends. And having an intelligent platform that helps guide you in that path is really where we're trying to get to. Is the ultimate destination AI or not? I mean, we, we got Dakshi here and, and we talked about all the AI for enterprises. Is that where we're, supposed, we're intending to get? And is the, the platform set up to do so or you see it different? It really depends. Uh, the, the amount of... AI is definitely what we say sort of at the top of the AI ladder, and it's a worthy journey to go on. The question is, how often do you actually need that versus data for reference sake, right? Like you don't need, most businesses today need to print invoices. They need to print any number of bookkeeping things. Those are, and they need aggregations of those, and they need to do sort of business intelligence things on them. So there will always be a need to do a lot of this stuff that doesn't lead to AI. However, there are huge opportunities around AI, whether it's for deeper insight. There's a tremendous value in in AI in any number of ways, but it's not always the end of the journey. And frankly, we expect that a a significant percentage of our customers actually use the platform for non-AI targeted use cases. And if I can jump in. Yeah, I'm um, going to you next. I'm going to see if you have the same answer that Trent has. <laughs> hey, if you disagree with him, then bonus points. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so if I can jump in, uh, you see, when when we started, you know, this last wave of AI starting in 2012 uh, or so, there was a lot of focus on deep neural networks and what they could do with uh, sensory information like uh, converting speech to text actually that came towards more recently but more using deep deep neural networks but it started with vision you know visual recognition spread into other areas like uh, languages speech to text text to speech and so forth and there was this these pure play apis like uh, natural language understanding they are all important and they continue to be important. But what I want to bring attention to is that how AI is getting infused in places where you wouldn't even expect. So take, for example, business intelligence. 
data that's gathered through data fabric that could be used for reporting purposes typical business intelligence application but today if you look at our uh, products such as cognos analytics or planning analytics ai is integral to their operations it's just that you you may not even know that these predictions or these uh, recommendations were made to you by an ai algorithm so in that way ai is percolating ai and traditional analytics and reporting there is a increasingly a fusion of it and what you see is ai working behind the scenes in many of these applications so trent says ai is at the top of the ai ladder but there are many use cases that may not involve ai do you think every client's getting ai do you have a different answer than trent has well i mean trent i think uh, meant i i'm going to put words in your mouth trent uh, was ai applications basically applications from which if you take ai then those applications will not work and what i'm talking about is let's say traditional offering like business intelligence offering reporting tool which will continue to work if you take ai away from it but if you infuse this ai into it it just becomes more pleasant to work with it because it sort of you know understands what you want to do and intelligently makes decisions on your behalf or makes suggestions so for example that look you know for this particular report maybe you should use these visualizations or maybe for data placement in database somewhere that look you know you should put your data in this particular fashion and so forth so ai is not integral to their function but it definitely makes them work much more smoother and makes whole uh, user experience much better of using these products. I agree with that and I think that's an important distinction, right? Is because there's a real difference between a company going and setting out to build a uh, a churn prediction model or a recommendation engine or whatnot where AI is front and center and without it you're in a bad place versus tools that I love the, the the phrase that Dutch uses that are more pleasant to use, right? There's just less friction. And it's like, why am I adapting to it when the right answer is, hey, it figured this out for me. And I think there's some great examples of that sort of subtle, it just works. And, and what we don't often realize is below the surface, the the absolutely amazing number of innovations that were required to get there. I think very much agree with Dakshi on the ways that it's sort of getting to us in very different form factors sometimes that are not visible. You guys have been great. I appreciate the conversation that that we've had today. Thank you Trent, thank you Dakshi. Great discussion. You know it's going well when when you're at, you know, right at the end of time and you know, you there's more questions so to ask and answer him. So I appreciate you guys being on here. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks. Thank you. And listeners, as always, hit me on almartintalksdata at gmail.com. Rate us on your favorite podcast. Let us know how we're doing. We listen. That's how we bring the podcast uh, guests on. So thanks again. See you all later. 
Thanks for listening to the Making Data Simple podcast, where we make data fun. Be sure to visit ibmbigdatahub.com forward slash podcast to access the show notes and uncover even more great episodes. Remember, the views expressed here are those of the host and its guests and do not necessarily represent the views of IBM. Until next time, let's go over and out. Oh.